Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. But I am really excited to, to share with you this morning um, uh, the message that I, I have titled for you. I actually just gave it a title because you guys like titles for some reason. So I gave you a title, and it's called The Jester in the King's Court. And what I'm doing today is I'm actually talking about the authority of heaven and who we are within that process. Um, so I'm just really excited. I'm excited. My mother and father-in-law, I just saw them back there for the first time. They're here. Walton said, so he waved to everybody. I know. Like, please don't do that to me. I'm glad they're here. But um, I'm really excited because when I get to share this with you, I believe something is going to unlock inside of the way you think and the way that you operate as believers. I'm one of the, the people that try to be more of a realist as much as I can. So I typically, when I see things going on, if it doesn't add up, I often wonder, like, what are we doing? What's the point? I get, I get sometimes frustrated when I hear the church at large talking about all of the things that God does but never demonstrating it. So we talk about God, you know, he opens the eyes of the blind and he opens the ears of the deaf and he heals those who are sick. Like, I know all that, but we're not seeing it really happen on a regular basis. What we do is we get super psyched because our unbelief is so strong that somebody's headache going away supercharges us. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, and it's something like we want to look for those miracles, but they're usually miracles we can't really prove because we're not really sure. And we're insecure about our faith. We really are. We're insecure about how capable our God is. We're insecure about who we are in Christ and who we are in the kingdom. And because of that insecurity that's starting to reign within the whole body, we're not really seeing the power and the authority of heaven in that kingdom reigning on the earth the way it was intended. And so when I look at a body of who we represent as the body of Christ, I'm looking for more than that. And it's not just the creative miracles we're talking about. We're talking about how to love people. Like, that's just as powerful as a miracle. Or somebody who is actually giving their life to Christ for the first, first time ever, it's not just Jesus come live in my heart. It's I give you my life, and I repent of my old ways. There's a balance in the whole thing. But we're seeing now a lack of repentance. So we're seeing people give their life to Christ, but they really change nothing. They're the same. So I believe we're also seeing people that are deceived. And the majority of what we're seeing in the church, some of these new converts, they're really still going to hell because they were led astray. That's disturbing. And what happens when somebody gives their life to, to, to the Lord at the altar, and then they walk away? What most churches will do is try to plug them into ministry, never disciple them. We spiritually abort them at the altar, and they're gone. What are we doing? We are more concerned with numbers and appearances. That's why the church has negated power, because now they could sound good. We can pretend to have something we don't, and we're proud of it. What has happened so I believe a lot of what we're seeing here is really an issue with us not knowing our place in the kingdom. One of the things I think is so funny, and this is where you'll usually scream heresy, but give me like one minute to go past it. You ready? So just because you as a believer, a child of God, sins does not make you a sinner. You know why? Most of you go, well, yeah, if you sin, you're a sinner. No, you're a child of God who made a mistake. You still are a child of God. You don't lose your authority in heaven because you make a mistake. If you don't have Christ, of course you're a sinner. But what we do is we keep going back and forth. Who are we? We have an identity issue in the body of Christ. I don't want RCC or anybody else that I love to be powerless and just a bunch of hot wind, blah, 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 nothing happening. Wouldn't that be pointless? You know what's going to grow this church? 
a demonstration of power, his presence, that's going to grow this church. All of our programs and all things we're doing are great, but none of that is going to grow this church. None of it. Despite what we might think. We are really not that cool. We're just not. We think we are. We're just not. So I'm going to talk to you really quick about a kingdom. So we know what a king is, right? A king is the male ruler of an independent state, especially one who inherits the position by right of birth. Okay? So the divine right of kings is actually a political and religious doctrine. It asserts that a monarch is subject to no earthly authority deriving the right to rule directly from the will of God. And the king is not subject to the will of his people. Now, understanding that, we see in Revelation, and I'm going to, if you guys want to pull it up on the screen, great. It's Revelation 19.16. So we're going to pull that up. It says, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Okay, so then we're going to get into what is a Lord, because it's important to know what a Lord is. A Lord is someone or something having power, authority, or influence, a master or a ruler. Now, there's other people in the king's court that we should talk about. There's the people of the kingdom that are representations, you know, in that big hall with the king. There's always these different celebrations. There's appropriate ways to approach the king. If you guys saw The Greatest Showman, there's that point where they approach the queen, and it's, like, supposed to be all, like, chill and serious. And you got the little midget guy going, <laughs> he said something funny to her. But everybody's like, oh, because there's, an, there's a way to approach the king, and that's important to know. So one of the things that is actually in the king's court are some what we call the entertainers. Now, these are the jesters. Jesters are there to entertain. They're funny, okay? So here's what they do. A jester was actually a historical entertainer either employed to entertain a ruler or other nobility in medieval or Tudor times and was an itinerant performer who entertained common folk at fairs and markets. Jesters are also modern-day entertainers who resemble their latter-day counterparts. It says, in medieval times, jesters entertained with a wide variety of skills, principal ones, including songs, music, and storytelling. So here's the interesting part about a jester. So the jester is there. He's singing. He's dancing. He's entertaining the king. What is happening in the body of Christ is we have not learned our position, and we look like jesters in the church. What we are doing is we're singing to the king. We're trying to entertain the king. And there's no relationship with the king. Does that make sense? So when we don't have relationship with the king, and all we're doing is singing to him, we give him all of our songs. We can give him all of our talent on the stage. You know, I told these guys, I'm like, if you get up here and minister and dance, and it's not burning on the inside of you, I'm not putting you on the platform. And they're like, okay. And so they get it. I challenge them. Right now, they're sitting on edge because they don't know if I'll call them up here to share their testimony. They have to be ready at any moment because I'm teaching them what it looks like to be part of being an ambassador of the kingdom. So let's get into uh, what it looks like to be an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody who goes representing the kingdom, so they're not living in the kingdom. So we're not living in heaven. They're not living in the kingdom. They go to a territory, a land, a people, and they impose the rules, the laws, and the authority of their kingdom into that new territory because they're ambassadors of that kingdom. So they're saying, this is how we do things. So when they walk into a new territory and they believe X, Y, Z, and the kingdom does not believe that, that ambassador says, no, no, this is what we believe and this is how we do things. See, we are not 
from this place. We are strangers in this land. Remember that? Remember in Scripture where it talks about this is not our place. We are aliens here. We are from somewhere else. So we are ambassadors from someplace eternal that is here for a time now. And what you're doing is you're actually imposing the kingdom of heaven onto the earth as ambassadors of that kingdom. But what happens when the ambassador forgets what kingdom they come from? We get what we currently see in the church. Does that bother you? It should. It bothers me. I'm just as guilty. I'm like, God, why aren't we seeing this? Like, what has happened? Why are the people of God in just as much bondage as the world? What's happened? Why is that running rampant? What is going on? Why is there so much pain and depression and sin? Why is it happening? We do not know who we are. We believe we're just sinners. Sinners saved by grace. If you were saved by grace, you're not a sinner. You're God's. You are his. You belong to him. You're an ambassador of his kingdom. I'm very disturbed at where we are as a body. How do we do this? How do we practically do this? We don't even know how God talks to us outside of maybe we believe his word, which is the most important place. If you're not reading the word, you're not really knowing Jesus. And again, I have a friend of mine, he says, the Bible's not boring, we're boring. It's important to know that you guys, if you don't like getting into the word, it's not going to work for you. You know, and I like to pick on all different things that we do in the church because that's just how I am. I pick on things. The one of the things I pick on is in our charismatic expression of the church, what we want to do is we always want to get that word just dropped into us from high above, drop into us to release it, but we don't want to read the Bible. What is going on? I got a word for you. I haven't read my Bible in a year, but I got a word from you. Like, are you kidding? Like, what happened to actually loving the word of God? If the word became flesh, that means the word is Jesus. Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you actually interacting with Jesus? You're like, I just don't get it when I read it. Well, keep going. Don't stop. You know, I love, I love everything that we have to offer in the church. But I know there's more. And to settle for where we're at is really an injustice. And it's a corrupt version of the kingdom that is not being represented. So, I know, right? Make myself get in trouble, right? So what do we do? How do we give ourselves back to the king that we've abandoned? How do we give ourselves back to him? You're like, well, we just recommit our lives. No. How do you give yourself fully to the king? How? Most of you guys, you've, you've given your life to Christ, the majority in this room. And if you haven't, you are missing out on the greatest adventure. And I'm telling you, it is amazing. It's powerful. But what I'm saying is when you give yourself to a king, the real king Jesus, and you say, I am his, he is mine, we are one together, I'm imposing the kingdom of heaven into the earth, I believe it. When you actually get into that place and you believe this with all your heart, things will not only change within your sphere of influence, but in your personal life. Now, are you going to have problems? Absolutely. Are you going to be tested and tried from every single direction about the authority you carry from the place you come from? Yes, you are in a foreign place. They are not going to receive you easily. The fact that there's no perse persecution going on in the church shows me we're missing something. The church, you know what we think per persecution is now? You don't like Trump. Ooh. We think we're being persecuted. Oh, we don't, we don't like this. We don't. That's not persecution. Persecution is not the government trying to take away our Second Amendment right. We think it is. That is nothing 
You know what persecution is? It's giving everything you have to the king and for the king. And in the midst of doing it with a pure heart and a pure motive, your life is given to it. Everything comes against you. Now you're being persecuted. But you know what we want? We want comfort. Because we came into a foreign land and we fell in love with what they had rather than what we had to offer. We fell in love with what this land had. And it's a problem. Thank you. It's a problem. How did we do this? How did we fall in love with all of these other things? And there are hearts disconnected from God again. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do to change it? How? Especially some of you, what are you going to do when your marriage is a mess right now? And one of your partner, hey, I want to go for the Lord. The other one's like, I don't think so. What do you do? Can you still burn and go after the Lord? Regardless, can you do it? Will you do it? You know, people in this room right here today, if they were going to be honest with what they're struggling with, so many people would be shocked. They'd go, oh, my gosh. I can't believe this is real. This is what you're going through. You guys have been through some stuff. If we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, when we silence where we've come from and what God has done, then where is the overcoming? The blood of the lamb is sufficient, but where's the partnering of what he did for you? You know, I'm not seeing an overcoming church because I don't see a testimony anymore. I don't see a story of what the blood's done for you. What has happened? All we're doing is we're reciting and regurgitating everything we've heard. Like, you guys have become the most amazing master mimics of Christianese I've ever seen. Why? Do you know I can get somebody who's an atheist come in here, fool all of you because they don't have the spirit of the Lord, because you would believe the lingo. That's disturbing. Where's our discernment? What's going to happen where in the book of Jude where it talks about false prophets and that there's a wolf in sheep's clothing? Oh, it's a cute little sheep. What are we doing in the end times? How are we going to handle this? What is happening next and what are we to do about it? Most of us don't even realize it. And what's really scary is most of us in here are just like everybody's great. What if we don't even know it but we're a wolf and we thought we were a sheep? Honestly, we don't want to be. That's not what we're wanting. But is it possible we're the very false thing that we're preaching against and we didn't know it? See, I want to challenge our thinking. I want to challenge who we really are. Are we ambassadors of the kingdom or jesters in his court? Do you just want to come in and entertain the king? You know, um, remember the story of the two brothers uh, where the one dressed up like the other one? Remember that? Was it... um, Jacob and Esau. Funniest thing, <laughs> Prince and the Pauper, but good try. Jacob and Esau. So Jacob and Esau, what's really funny about this story is one was given the authority of the birthright, okay? And if you don't know the story, basically sold it for a cup of soup. But Jacob and Esau, here's what's crazy. Esau is this furry beast of a man, and he's got all the right given to him by his father. But Jacob wants it. Esau doesn't really care. He takes it for granted. The thing that's crazy is Jacob ends up inheriting that because he dresses up like his brother to impress his father. Do you know that's what churches are doing every time they split? They dress up like their brother to impress the father? I want to look like them. I want to look like this church that's, wow, look at Elevation Church. Look at this church. I want to look like them because I want to impress the father. 
What is that? Why are we losing our unique DNA that God's given us? Who are we? We've lost all original thinking. <laughs> we did. You know what's funny? We used to just be so hard against imagination because the enemy plays with imaginations. I get that. But you know the, the whole thing of imagination? God works with your imagination, your creativity. He inspires you in that area. And if we completely have lost it, what's happening? I look at a generation that lost how to play and have imagination. Do you think that it's just no big deal? It's a huge deal. When I see an entire generation locked into screens and they're done, they don't know how to make up a game and play outside. What happens? What is going on with that? I mean, I'm okay with them playing games. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying, do they, do they have their mind moving and thinking anymore? The king will move in that area of your mind. He speaks to you there. And it's powerful. But Jacob and Esau, we don't want to dress up like anyone else. I know we look to people that we look up to and admire. But when the church gets to the point where all we do is look at the reflection of somebody reflecting the king and we stop looking at the king, we lose ourselves. And I don't want you to lose yourself. I don't want to lose myself. I am just in the same boat with you guys. I'm preaching this to us. I'm the kind of person that will answer my own altar call. I've done it. If, I mean, let's be honest. If you truly think that I'm speaking to you from God, then why wouldn't I? Is it not going to be able to convict me the same way? Like, what has happened to that? What has happened to the fear of the Lord? Where did that go? You know what happened? We found something called grace, and we let it get so twisted that we no longer talk about sin. Where's the balance in our life? We think grace is nothing more than an excuse to do anything we want. And that is another reason we're losing the power, because here's the line. This is the line right here. Here's grace way at this side, and here's sin and death and everything we're in. And what we do is we cross the line, we become his, and we're like, yes, we've crossed over, we're no longer there. But instead of running as fast as we can toward this direction, towards holiness, what we do is we play at this line the rest of our lives. We never want to cross over because we're safe. We're going to heaven. We're still going to heaven. We're still going to heaven. We have no authority. If your whole purpose for the kingdom was to give your life to Jesus at the altar, and that was it, my motto is then you should die at that moment. Right when you give your life to God, boom, done. Go ahead, go to heaven. Honestly, get it over with. That's all this is about. Are you here to enforce the laws as ambassadors of the kingdom or not? You know, when you see these guys get up here and jump around, there's a reason they're jumping around. Yeah, God's good. And you know what else? They have a story. You're like, well, they're just teenagers. Let me tell you what some of these teenagers go through. Huh? I know. Come here, Taylor. Tell him. Tell him what you struggle with. All right. So, what's up? I'm Taylor. Um, let, me, let me tell you my story for a second. So, of course, Christina's my mom. John's my dad. Pastor's kid. There it is. That's, that's all I can start off with right there. Pastor's kid. It was drilled into my head since day one. That's all people saw me as. You know, you go into church. Forgive me if I get mad during this and start crying, because I'm telling you, this, this gets me angry. You know, I, I, uh, it's just you do the same thing over and over. You walk into church. You see people. You, you learn to play church, you know. You never really feel anything. You learn to just, oh, lift my hands a little bit, sing a little bit. 
don't feel anything. I see all these other people having encounters, I don't feel anything. I see my brothers and sisters having dreams, visions, nothing for me. And you know, it's just like over and over it would happen, and I would just think to myself, is this even real? And it got to the point as I got older, I was about 14, 15, I'm thinking to myself, I still haven't felt anything. And I convinced myself that it was all bullcrap. It was all acting, it was all fake, nothing was real to me. I would get mad. I would I'd pretend to be sick every Sunday. I didn't want to go to church. I couldn't stand it. I hated everybody. Every time I'd walk into the church, oh, hi, hi, oh, there's John's kid. There it is again, John's kid. Who am I? I didn't know who I was. I was so drowned out by church and the fact that everyone called me John's kid, pastor's son, I didn't know who I was. See, that's another thing I want to mention. The enemy knows what you're called to do. They're going to take something that is a direct attack on that, and they are going to try to rip your calling off your life. They're going to try to twist your thinking and convince you that that's it, that that's your life, that's who you are. You're the drug addict. You're the pervert. No. But you see, he got me. He had me convinced that I was just the pastor's kid. Just the pastor's kid. Nothing for me. Your brothers, yeah, they got something. That guy over there, Steve, yeah, he's got something. You don't. Not real. If this God thing's real, it's not for me. That's what I told myself. One day I'm walking. This is hilarious. <laughs> I'm walking in Walmart. And it was just, it was like, I was so mad. I remember it was specifically this day. I'm thinking, we just got out of like a service, I think. It was a church service. I was so mad. I was like, this God thing is so crap. Why can't I feel anything? Why is my calling so far? Why can't I see it? And right here in Walmart, I had the realization because I saw this dime on the ground, all scratched up, ruined, all destroyed, okay? And I picked it up, and I'm like, look at this, piece of crap. <laughs> and my dad kind of leans over, and God used him in this way, for sure. And he goes, you know something funny? What? Just because it's scratched up, it's just worth as much as every other dime. And I realized just because my calling's different, just because my story looks different, does not mean I am worth any less. It does not mean anything. So I realized that my calling isn't to look like him or look like my mom or look like anybody else. It's to be God's child. I'm not the pastor's son. I'm God's son. And see, that's another thing. If any of you struggle with that, you need to realize that. If you grew up in church, if you see all the heresy, the fake stuff, get past it. Go find God for yourself. Realize that it's not fake. This is a real thing. I stand up on the stage and tell you that because to me, this is real. To all these kids up here, this is real. We feel something. We know something. And if you haven't figured it out, get ready to learn because we're going to teach you something. You thought you were safe. Come here. Come here. You ready? I don't know how I'm supposed to go on after that. <laughs> okay. I'm not as, like, bold as um, Taylor is or anyone here. So work with me here. Okay. So I, wow, okay. I did not grow up in the church like most people here. Um, I... Basically, throughout my whole childhood, my mom was my everything, and 
my dad, he works all the time and stuff, so I didn't see him as much. So throughout all of elementary school and middle school, I had to deal with my mom trying to commit suicide multiple, multiple times with me even the, in the house. Um, and it really hurt me. And so after this one time that changed everything, my whole life was flipped upside down. I lost, my mom's still alive, but she's not in my life anymore because she's a threat. Um, so my whole life flipped upside down. I lost who I was. I really was a happy person and everything, and that completely changed. I was sad, I was cruel, I was cold. I didn't feel like I worth, was worth anything. The night before my mom did what she did, I was crying in her lap, and because she admitted what she did, and she promised me she would never do it again. The next day, it happened again. I lost trust in anybody and everybody, and so I had nothing. I didn't know God. None of this, I thought it was fake because everything. So then, let me tell you about what God for, did for me. <laughs> I was brought to this youth group um, a year ago, almost uh, over a year ago, and everything changed. I came to this youth group, and I felt like I wasn't judged for my past. That's what I felt. I was scared at school because everyone knew what happened, and so I felt like I was being judged. And so now I came here. I was a new person. I could be who I wanted to be. And I found God, someone who changed my life completely because now I can speak in front of everyone here. <laughs> um, that never would have happened like even six months ago, but God changed who I am now. And all I want to do is just give everything back to him because he's so good. He really can change anything from any situation. And it's so amazing. I'm like in shock. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, come here. You did awesome. You know, I have so many stories that I could pull from down here. Some of these stories, I don't even know if y'all are ready for. And that's one of the reasons I don't pull them up here, to be honest. Some of these stories are very, very heartbreaking. But the thing that's so powerful is we have the ones here. We always do this in our youth group. We're really careful. If somebody hasn't had a traumatic, you know, experience and then came to God, but they've had a life where they've been in church and they never really went down a dark path, a lot of times they feel like they're insignificant. In our youth group, we, we hold those ones up because they give us hope that it's possible. And that's what we're looking for. So whether you have a traumatic or hard, difficult story or you're like, I've just kind of always been. I had a good, solid family. I think people have stopped honoring the fact that that's the goal. That's possible, you know. And we celebrate all the bad things because of what God did rather than look at the good things that they sustained. And, and we balance that in this youth group. But they have now been charged to be ambassadors of the kingdom. They understand that at any moment, they're going to be put on the front lines because they need to enforce the authority of the kingdom. So I'm going to have one more testimony come up, and I'm going to have her share. Come on up. And... 
And again, some, some are harder to share than others. And so this is a real miracle right here that you have no idea about. And God's doing different things with all of us. But I want to just let Micah here share what God has brought her from and where she's at right now and what God's doing. And uh, it's pretty powerful, even though she's like, oh, my gosh. I was like, but tell them where you are. I was really hoping this wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, hold the mic up so I can hear you good. So go ahead. Um, hi, I'm Micah. Micah Johnson, because there's two Micahs in the youth. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit about myself, my story, basically. So I grew up in the church, like a lot of people. Um, my life was seemingly perfect. I, you know, I had a great dad. I had a great mom. I had a great sister. Everything was just fine, and we had just moved to Florida. California and um but yeah as a little girl I knew there were issues but I never really saw them I kind of ignored them because like you know I wanted to pretend like everything was perfect like I'm shaking <laughs> so um anyway when I um got into middle school I started to see things for the way that they really were and um I noticed that well, my mom had crazy anger issues, not gonna lie. <laughs> um, and my dad was really controlling and manipulative. And, you know, I really loved him. I really loved my mom. I ignored it. Um, but it did start to bother me when I turned 13. And um, I became really depressed and really angry with everybody and kind of that kind of, you know, and honestly, even though I grew up in the church, I didn't believe in God. I honestly, I, like, same situation, just, like, put my hands up a few times in church, kind of just do it for the show, because I didn't believe it. it. I wasn't seeing things for the way that they really are. And if you know me, you know that I want to experience things for myself. I'm not going to look at somebody telling me about how great God is. I'm not going to look at somebody telling me that they, that God can change my life and, like, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. And I never saw a miracle because the church is numb. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, when I was 13, I got really depressed. I got um, really angry and really insecure. And I grew, like, really, really hardcore self-hate, like, could not look in the mirror, could not look at anybody without thinking I wish I was like that person, without thinking I'm not good enough for this person. I would kind of isolate myself. I didn't want to talk to people. I felt like, you know, I'm just socially awkward. I'm just anxious. I just, I can't do this. I, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it got worse. Um, I started taking action. I started, you know, self-harming. I started... Um, attempting suicide. I started doing all these things, trying to do everything in my power to hurt myself and compare myself to others, which is the worst because self-hate and um, physical pain, it's not a good combination. So um, anyway, this went on for like around two years, I think. Um, and I was kind of stuck in a cycle with God because at this point I actually believed in him, but I wasn't doing much, honestly. I wasn't 
fighting for myself. I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't praying. I would just, like, have, like, one of these moments once a week, be like, oh, Jesus, you're there. Oh, you saved me. Everything's great. And then just go back to the way things were. So I blame that on God, not me. It was not my fault because I was doing everything that I should be, but I wasn't because I was just going back to the same place every single day. Um, and actually recently... I broke the cycle. Come on. Um, I was done. I was done postponing things. I was done saying tomorrow I'll have an encounter with God. Tomorrow I'll pray to God. I'll read the Bible. I started fighting. And first thing that I started to do was actually start holding my thoughts captive because that's kind of that's kind of where it starts. Honestly, because if you can wave a thought off, if you can say that's not true, that's a lie, if you can identify it, that's literally the first step. It's some, Yeah, so I started doing that. I started doing it continually, and it was kind of scary. Honestly, you look at me, I would just be like, I would sit there thinking, just like, and people would be like, are you okay? Because I'm literally in my head canceling out every single thought that came against me, every single thought that told me that I was worthless, that I was ugly, that I was nothing. And so that's just kind of how it was for, like, an entire month. I just had to do this mentally. And so that's basically I started fighting. I started getting better, getting smarter, identifying the enemy. And I've pretty much turned my life around. I'm still bitter, honestly. I'm still kind of selfish and rude sometimes. But <laughs> no, not at all. But honestly, I just pray to God every single day that I become better and I tell him that I'm not going to give up every single day. So <laughs> honestly, what I would say like to anybody who is struggling with something like that is I would say don't give up because honestly it looks crappy it looks like it looks terrible but honestly God's plan does not look like your plan and your thoughts are not the truth not all the time so so cool. So his ways are higher. His thoughts are better. He is worthy. So I wanted to bring all of it together. We're talking about being ambassadors of this kingdom. But in order to do that, we have to understand what kingdom we belong to, who the king is. And we're not the king but he's the king over us as kings, but he's the one that we're actually ambassadors for. Not our own dreams and our own agendas, not our own purposes and what we want, but some of you have fallen in love with this world to where you've forgotten who you are in the kingdom. So right now, this morning, the first thing I want to do is I want to break that off of you. And I can't do it by waving a magic wand of charismatic excitement. It's actually something you have to choose to do. You know what I'm saying? It has to be like an actual organic experience that you choose to do. For so long, we have wanted the genie God that grants us our wishes. 
when in fact we're supposed to be the ones that are in the field working and putting in that labor and the hard work to be who we're meant to be. But we're a lazy people at times. And it's time to call you forward in the kingdom as ambassadors of the kingdom. So I'm just going to pray this right now. Father, I break off the jesters in the room. I just say no more entertaining the king. No more just trying to entertain one another. God, I'm asking that you would allow us to embrace what it means to be ambassadors of your kingdom. I'm asking for this church right now specifically, here at RCC, that we as a people would learn what it means to be ambassadors of your kingdom. Father, when we start walking with you correctly, when we start administering your laws, your decrees, your things into this earth that we're in, that is when we are going to see things change. We renounce every other lover that we have just taken on in our own world. We renounce every adulterous relationship in the spirit that we have that has given us a false sense of peace because we thought that this weird form of grace that we adopted was okay, and it's not. Our relationship with you is so important. Holiness is still real. Purity is still possible. Hope is real. Truth is something that we hold on to. And it's you, Jesus. You are truth. You are love. Synergy, if you get ready to minister. I want today our number one focus to be this. With an altar call, there's a couple things. One, just spread out all along this, this way, guys. One, for this altar call, if you do not know the king in which we're talking to, if you have not given your life to this king, repented of your old ways, if you have not done that, today is your day. Stop playing. You cannot do that. You're never going to move forward. You're never going to accomplish what you wanted. It's not going to happen. You have to have him. And he wants you. He longs for you too. I promise if you're not perfect, he's not offended. I promise if you're really screwed up, he's not angry. I promise you he's going to welcome you with open arms if you want him. But you have to choose. You have to choose to renounce everything. You have to choose to actually walk the narrow way. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be hard at times. It's going to be difficult. You are going to be tested and tried every step of the way. But I can promise you this, just like some of the testimonies you heard here, he's worth it. He is genuinely worth it. If you have not given your life fully and completely to the king that we're talking about this morning, I'm going to ask you right now to come up here first because I have other people we're going to pray for. And if you got to come by yourself, it's okay. If you're not sure and you're like, I'm kind of a mess right now, I'm not sure. If you need to come up here, come up here. We're going to pray with you. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. So you just start coming when you're ready, if that's you. And for the rest of you, here's the main thing for you. It is time to take off the jester's funny-looking hat. Stop pretending. Stop thinking you got it all. Stop acting like we've got it. And let's be honest. We are not moving as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We are not seeing the advancement on the earth that we were supposed to see. The greater things that are coming are right here if we would walk in them. Everything is available to you. So I'm going to have you stand. And here's what we're going to do. If you are choosing today 
to actually choose to walk this out and become ambassadors of his kingdom. And you're really going to give it everything you have. And you're really going for it. No wishy-washy, no weirdness. In just a moment, this is for you. So I want you guys, if you are willing to or would like to, to close your eyes just, and even put your hands up if you'd like as an act of surrender. And just tell Jesus, I surrender to you. You are the king. Tell him. You are the king. I want to be an ambassador of your kingdom. I renounce the entertainment of your kingdom. I renounce just the hype of your kingdom. I want the power and the authority forever of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, as a representation of your kingdom here. Now, if this is you and you're actually believing you're going to do it and you want it, I'm going to ask you to quickly come down here and let these guys begin to pray and just stand with you. And I'm going to ask you to move right now. Come on. Do it. Each one. Come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.